girl how are you i'm good good um how was your weekend it was good i want to talk about old navy oh <laughs> you went to old navy mm -hmm. so i went okay. to old navy um i love old navy and they are now they've gone size inclusive Oh, okay. Um, which cool. means they sort of made like a complete transformation of the way that they work. They just offer zero out sizes, zero through 30. Um, and they don't like, you know, they're not, the larger sizes aren't more, pr aren't priced higher. And they're not like in their own like section called plus size, right? Uh -huh. They're just among everything. I, I love Old Navy. But here's the beef that I have with them. Because <laughs> you know, there's going to be a beef. I can't just <laughs> accept them at face value. <laughs> So their signage is really deceptive. And there were two things. There was a giant sign that said 50% off all jeans. So I snag a pair of those. Um, they're called mm -hmm. pop icon skinnies and they've got the cut in the knees, right? They're oh. just cute jeans, right? 50% off, they're 20 bucks, right? Wrong. Um, apparently only... <laughs> The pop icon skinnies were not on sale. And I'm like, of course, the ones that I freaking pick. Um, and then it was the same with a sweatshirt. There was this really cool like um, garment wash sweatshirt that I wanted. I look at the giant red sign on the table of all of the sweatshirts that says 15 mm -hmm. bucks. And I pick it up and snag it. Wrong. It's 30 bucks. So honestly, Old Navy, you need to get your shit together when it comes to like being really specific about what what is what price or exceptions. Oh, yeah. Or have a price scanner so I can just walk up and make sure. Which they have. And honestly, it's probably me too who isn't. <laughs> um, I'm not, you know, doing my due diligence, you know. Mm. Um, but it's an I extra step. What, why do I have to do research in order to pay to buy a pair of jeans? Right, right. Yeah. I'm All right. With you. So <laughs> thumbs up to Old Navy for inclusive sizing and thumbs down to Old Navy for terrible signage deceiving signage get your marketing together old navy get your um, together. what about you what'd you do this weekend oh i went with my friends to san diego oh was that fun yeah we booked this trip like months ago like three months ago and we we're like this is our we all got vaccinated so we get to party trip <laughs> <laughs> except so we rented this house it was big it was supposed to be like a really like a little like mini mansion or whatever mm-hmm house wasn't that big uh -uh. but <laughs> and then the guy had a bunch of rules where uh -uh. it was like be quiet after 9 p.m and i was like Ugh. well because so, you love rules yeah <laughs> you, <laughs> you love those look your asshole i paid you money mm -hmm. right. <laughs> quit telling me what to do on my mm -hmm. vacation <laughs> yep yep so but i mean it's not about what you do it's who you do it with so it was it was fun it was a good time oh okay Remember the story I was telling you last week about because it, it was the same group of friends that yes. we were out with, and I was telling you the girl, and she was talking about her demon thing. And, <laughs> okay, so she got there. She was the last one to get there, and when she gets there, we start talking, and she's like, "Oh my God, Theo, I had a dream about you," and I was like, "Shut up! What did you dream?" And she's like, "I dreamt that you were telling the thing to go away, and you were telling it to fuck off." Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Recognition, oddly enough, that's exactly oh what happened. That is crazy because, like, we we had not talked between then and, and now. Like, I was like, you can't make this shit up, and I'm like, yeah, I had a dream about you that very same night. I'm like, was it the same that night that she had the dream about you? No, uh, no, she had the dream. I think a few, just a few days before, wow. like bef before we were out in San Diego. <clears throat> But. So what do you think that was? Do you think it was astral travel, astral projection? I think it was definitely astral travel. That is so cool. You can't. You can't make stuff like this up. 
<laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. So you're the, the um, nighttime demon slayer is what you are. I guess. Mm-hmm. I suppose. I didn't necessarily know I was signing up for that, but okay. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, let's see. What, what announcements do we have? So as far as our announcements and upcoming events, we have Journey of the Wild, our plant medicine retreat. And that's taking place November 5th through November 7th in Idlewild, California. All the details are on our website. You can message us directly there to book your spot. Yes, there's still spots available. So jump on it. It'll be a good time. Mm -hmm. And then we have the live workshop for empaths. That's coming up September 11th. And it's just $22 because, again, we do try to keep those affordable so as many people who can can join yeah and the and i've recently launched um my acoustic soul blueprint reviews those are now on sale they only go on sale one time a year um and it's an all new format there's some brand new info so if you've ordered one in the past this is going to be a little bit different um we're going to talk about you are still going to get a core numerology summary but you're also going to get um insight into your astrology um, ascendant or rising sign and how that works with your personality number um I'm going to talk about a formula of five simple goals that you can to help you master your path in 2022. Um, You're going to get Akashic insight into four areas of your life um, and then um, a message from your spirit guides and a personal year forecast. So it's really chocked full of a ton of stuff. Yes. Um, I did one for you. And what did you think about it? It was great. So what I would say is anyone who's going to book this, you should get this thing printed because it's like a guide for the whole year because there's so much information in there. Like I just go back to it. I'm like, oh, this and that. And like I just link things together. And that personal year forecast too, I found it like super helpful to know like what each month is like what I should be doing that month. So when I'm like planning trips and planning events and stuff for next year, like this is my guide. So right, right, yes, amazing. Yay! I like that idea. Get it, get it printed. Maybe one day I'll offer them printed. Ooh, right now they're just in PDF form. Um, it's a twenty-eight-ish page report. Um, it's one hundred and thirty-five dollars, but unfortunately, I'm not offering live reviews this year. Um, I just have way too much going on. So just to start the process, um, email me at thewokakashik at gmail.com with the topic. This is really important. The topic 2022 Akashic Soul Blueprint Forecast Report. Um, the reason is because um, I have a lot in my inbox and I need to be able to um, sort by 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this will get the ball rolling. I'll send you a payment link, make that payment and you're on the list. And right now I'm booking about um, the the reports are at about two weeks, two weeks okay. out, but this changes. Yeah. Yeah. Demand guys. So if you get in early, you can get yours with that timeline. You wait too long. You wait too long. And then it could be a couple weeks. Everybody yeah. will have them before January 1st. And I will probably stop taking them um, like, before the middle of November so that I'm completely done by Thanksgiving because I'm not doing any work over Thanksgiving. Nope. Don't blame you. Yeah. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? Oh, so today we are talking about the story of Maria Sabina. Ah, this is exciting. So for just a quick little primer, for anyone who doesn't know who Maria Sabina is, Maria Sabina is considered one of the most, if not the most famous curandera. First of all, so Maria Sabina was a Mazatec woman. The Mazatecs are one of the native tribes of the state of Oaxaca, Mexico. And the Mazatecs categorize their healers or their curers, as they call them, they kind of use the two words just back and forth by three levels. So the first level is a sorcerer. So this is a person who can transform themselves into an animal at night. And usually it's not to do well. Like it's to <laughs> like, <laughs> cause harm or yeah. Rabble rousers. <laughs> yeah. So, and then there's cures. Um, and these are the people that use, they utilize massage, potions, eggs, or just other devices, um, even their own language to invoke the lords of different places like mountains and springs. Oh, cool. You know that. Um, so that's kind of more, I would say, closer to what a, like a curandero does. 
uh, because they do, the curanderos would use things like that. And then a wise one, which is what Maria Sabina is categorized. They do not use potions to cure. Their therapy involves the ingestion of the mushroom through which the, the wise one acquires the understanding of the person's ailment. And then they are given direction on how to treat them by the mushrooms. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So in researching her story, I came up like a, a, bon- a bunch of articles, a whole bunch of opinions and perspectives around her life story. I didn't resonate with a lot of them because they paint her kind of as a like tragedy or like taken advantage of. So I just went straight to her book, which was actually her speaking her life story. And then it was translated into Spanish and then later translated into English. So I hope I got the general gist of it. If I could find the Spanish version, I would maybe try that next, but I I think I got it. So a couple things. So Maria Sabina was born, her whole name was Maria Sabina Magdalena Garcia, which is like typical of our Mexican people with very long names. Like mm-hmm. that's just how how people are um, because we're given like an extra name, sometimes a mother's name and a father's name. And there's this whole, you know, it's, it's a long line. She was born in the village of Huatla de Jimenez in the Sierra Mazateca area, which is a northern part of the state of Oaxaca. And she was born in 1894. Actually, in her book, she doesn't know her birthday. Like her mom was just told her that she was born on the day that they celebrate Mary Magdalene. Uh, (laughs) My grandma didn't know hers either. My like my biological grandma. It's like yeah. it didn't really matter. Yeah. It's it's not something that people really celebrated, I guess. And so it was just like, oh, you're just another year older. Uh, but w- with that information, though, it's estimated her birthday was March 17th. Right. Uh, St. Patty's Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, there's probably a link there mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. the different saints. <laughs> um, okay. And she spoke only Mazatec. She never learned to read or write uh, Castellano or Spanish because she wasn't sent to school. Uh, Mazatec, though, is an unwritten language. And one cool thing that I learned about the Mazatec language, they're actually have, they have a whistle language. Like they can speak to each other by just whistling. Oh, that's cool. It is amazing. Like, look it up if you get a chance um, and you just hear people whistling to each other. And it's so cool. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. That's like, very cool. Yeah. Okay. So when Maria Sabina was three years old, her father, who was a farmer, passed away and left her mother to care for her and her younger sister, Mariana, alone. And obviously in these times, it was not easy for a mother to care for two children. So she ended up leaving the girls in the care of her parents and her and their aunt. But the problem was that they were already poor as it was. So the girls didn't get enough to eat. Hmm. And from from a translation that I heard of an interview with Maria Sabina, she said that her their aunt didn't feed them and she would actually hide the tortillas and the coffee from them and let them go hungry. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, <sighs> I mean, why? What would be the point? They didn't understand. have enough to go around. What? Then don't eat and let the all right. Don't get me started. (laughs) So what happened was the girls would go out into the fields where they would watch the goats, and that's actually where she first encountered the mushrooms out out there. And in her first experience, she she and her sister were so hungry, and she knew of these mushrooms and that they were safe to eat because she had seen an uncle, one of her uncles, who was really really sick, who had been cured by a shaman with the mushrooms like the shaman he, she she saw the thing happen so she knew she could eat them so they ate them she was like eight years old <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah she was quote unquote safe to eat <laughs> yeah i mean yeah and so she said in her first experience that she heard the voice of god and nice. then she can. They continued to eat them. Um, she and her sister would continue to eat them, um, and sometimes her grandfather would find would find them out in the field, just like laughing or crying, and and then they would just carry them home. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't punish them for it, which I thought was interesting because I feel mm-hmm. like if we did that, like if I found my eight year old kid over there high on mushrooms, I might freak out a little bit. Right. <laughs> but but it was just because that's you you don't do that. Their belief was you don't you don't punish a person and you don't punish a child it um under the influence of the mushrooms because they you can make them go crazy. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So they, they I'm, I mean, I'm glad that they were concerned about that, but not about, you know, them dying of starvation. <laughs> yeah. You know. uh, so she, she called the mushrooms little saints or little children and also called them the little one who springs forth. Mm-hmm. Um, what she was actually consuming, we know it as the landslide mushroom is the variety that she was that they were consuming. Um, she she said that when she took them, she took them with the intention of that they were going to make her sing beautifully. Oh, that's so lovely! And that would actually develop over over time. So in her very early teenage years, she briefly began to work with the mushrooms and develop her craft. But then she she was married off. And so she had to stop because the Mazatec tradition believes that when um, a person works with mushrooms, they should maintain sexual abstinence for four days before the ceremony and four days after the ceremony. And so that wouldn't work with having a husband. Mm-hmm. So she married off. Um, she was married off at 14 years old Aww. and she became pregnant at the age of 15. Um, her husband, though, went off to the Mexican Revolutionary War and then he returned a few years later. They had two more children, but she was widowed by the age of 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll see her relationships with men. She didn't have a lot. She only had two, but they just didn't um, they didn't last too long. Very. Um, I mean. And I think it was part of her purpose. I, I was just going to say that was probably, uh, well, it was written into her soul blueprint in order to give her the space to cultivate mm. this um, healing. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. So after she became a widow, she started to have a lot of pains in her body and she related it to having had had her children. So it was like her hips would hurt. And she tried to, she did try like regular doctors to see if they could help her and and she didn't find any relief so then she decided she was she was going to use the mushrooms to try to heal herself and and she did um but it really wasn't until her sister was so so sick like she was almost dying and they had tried everything to help her that she was like you know i gotta try i have utilize the mushrooms and you know seek their wisdom to help her and she did so she she held a ceremony her ceremonies were called veladas. Veladas literally mean like a gathering at night because the mushroom ceremonies are always held at night. So so she she held the ceremony for her sister. Okay, when the Mazatecs journey with mushrooms, they take them in pairs. And she says she journeyed with like 30 pairs of mushrooms. Wait, she uh-huh. took 30 pairs? Yes, she did. Uh-huh. Yeah, she did. Pair. 30 pairs. Yeah. And then so and the result would cure her sister. But then without what it really did was like solidify her, her faith in the power of mm-hmm. the, the little children. And then she continued to work with the mushrooms and help other people like at that point, she had found her path. Wow. Uh, so just to clarify, she takes the mushrooms. And then she's given the direction for lack of a better term on how yes. to help the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is the other also taking the yeah. or the patient? Yes. Okay, so it's a it's a, it's a collaborative thing. It is. Uh-huh. Yeah, very yeah. Cool. yeah, it is. Um the person being healed doesn't always and doesn't ingest like that amount normally. Uh, it doesn't it didn't seem like it um from from her statements, but yeah. Yeah, she but she said she 30 pairs, that's a lot. <laughs> so when you say pair, then she took one and the sister took one and they did that 30 times? No, you, okay. like, as her, like Maria Sabina took 30 pairs herself. Okay, so 60 mushrooms. 60 mushrooms, yeah. Um, <laughs> so her, her ceremonies or veladas worked off of the native system of bartering, but it was not uncommon to be paid money. Just some people will pay you with what they have and some people will pay you money. It's right. That, that's that's how, how it worked. But she also worked by reselling goods and um, buying and reselling goods in the area of like Kuala, like the, the city areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so so she did several things to maintain herself. Eventually, 12 years, 12 years after becoming a widow, she would remarry another man, although just by reading her book, you can tell she was reluctant about it. Like this guy mm-hmm. was an alcoholic. She had, he already had a reputation for being an alcoholic. So she was hesitant at first, but then she ended up relenting and she, she married him. And then they had three more children together. Mm-hmm. Um, her second husband was not just an alcoholic. He was also physically abusive to her and he would cheat on her. Um, one of his extramarital affairs was with a woman who was also married 
And when her children found out, they vilely attacked him and killed him. <laughs> yeah. I can't say I'm upset about that news. I mean, you make your bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, she'd she been married to him for 13 years and had had a total of six children at that time, by that time. Um, sadly, though, all of her children, with the exception of one daughter, died either of sickness or were murdered. Oh, my God. That's like, those are some odds. What? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Over the course of, of how many years? How long? Oh, I mean, just throughout her life. Like, she she watched, like, her her sons were, like, adults. Um, she had two sons that were, one was shot, I believe, and another one was killed, like, uh, by a drunk guy. Like, a drunk guy came and killed mm-hmm. him. And, yeah, it was it, it was just really unfortunate. Wow. What a cool um, soul contract to get into to figure out all that. Right. Yeah. But so during the time she was married, she did stop her work with the mushrooms again because of the whole, right. you know, sexual abstinence thing. So she found herself widowed for the second time and she was about 45 years old. Young. So after this, she decided like, you know, obviously this men thing is not working. <laughs> so she went back to her calling and she she continued to hold the mushroom ceremonies. Um, ceremonies, like I said, were always performed at night. So this is a this is, I'm just going to explain the Mazatec tradition of a mushroom ceremony, which is different from how people, from what I know, um, perform them now or or do them now. But this is the traditional way. So they're always performed at night. Um, they are always performed uh, in front of an altar that is set against the east wall so that all the participants face the east from which the sun rises. The mushrooms are taken in pairs uh, because they believe that the pairs were married, but that's can also be explained by saying like feminine and masculine energies mm-hmm. of, of the mushrooms. So that's why you do the pairs. And then on the altar, there are always flowers, a cross, pure wax candles, and pictures of saints. I found this really interesting when um, there's also a documentary that somebody like they actually recorded her. Like you can go on YouTube and watch the whole thing. So you can see like see her, see her house and everything. But her ceremonies had a lot of aspects of Catholicism, which I thought was interesting. But I like once I really like dove into it, understood like the it was the impact of the Spanish Inquisition that happened. We know they came in and they were basically trying to convert the native people of Mexico. And although the natives were exposed to violence and abuse and like there was bunch of like Mayan historical artifacts that were that were destroyed um ultimately the natives like very intelligently integrated the Catholicism um, ideas in with their practices and so I just thought that was just incredibly smart and obviously there's a lot of like that self-preservation too because they were able to keep their practices like kind of like hidden under this veil of Catholicism. Yeah. So I thought that was really neat. Preservation. Yeah. And can find the, this like amalgamation of native practices and beliefs that are meshed in mesh with Catholicism just all throughout Mexico today and North America as well. So the mushrooms are ingested by the wise one and the person seeking treatment and others who may be sitting in for the velada. So like, let's say like if you're sick and I take you to this wise one and I'm going to sit there with you, I'm probably going to take some too, which is, I think that's kind of crazy. It's like, I'm not even sick, but, <laughs> but it's, we're participating. It's a group thing. It's a, it's a ritual. Right. Um, so Sabina's healing rituals and ceremonies with fungi included several aspects, including Mazatec chants, uh, mezcal consumption, which they called aguardiente, which literally means like bitter water. Mm-hmm. Um, when I looked it up, they said it's like sugar cane alcohol. So I guess it's kind of like a rum, mm. maybe. Okay. Um, tobacco smoke and then ointments extracted from medicinal plants. She talks a lot about a tobacco that they call San Pedro and they like rub it on people and stuff, which I'd never heard of that. But Interesting. Yeah. Um, all her chants, though, are documented in a book. It's called Maria Sabina and Her Life Chants. Um, but she doesn't take any credit for the chants like she says that she didn't like make them they were basically like knowledge given to her from the mushrooms channeled yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, exactly channeled Channeled. you know what's interesting about all of this too is that if you scroll through you know any instagram social media or whatever um people are like 
the message is like, you know, you need to be clean of all alcohol and drugs and in order to, you know, have a direct connection to the spirits Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, ancient ceremonies all involved tobacco or hallucinogenics or alcohol or some sort of mood mind altering substance Mm -hmm. so to these you know people i say stay in your lane mind your business (laughs) eat your raw food and worry about you yeah she Mm -hmm. actually talks about the the thing the drinking the aguardiente the how she didn't normally drink it it wasn't until she started holding the ceremonies and then what she called i think she called them the wise ones they were the people that she would connect with on the other side that they would drink with her so it was like the thing that she was doing like connecting with them there's just a lot of conflicting you know messages i mean even the catholics Mm -hmm. you know they're huge drinkers and they drink wine does that mean they can't connect to you know what i mean so yeah so it's just it's very interesting about um Mm -hmm. how I don't know where this sort of trend came. It probably came from vegans because you know vegans. <laughs> I blame the vegans for everything except their delicious baked goods. I do not blame them for those. Those are delicious. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I heard this thing uh, when I was reading this about um, the Spanish Inquisition. Okay. The Catholic idea of uh, communion and like drinking the blood of Christ and a piece of his body that that actually was probably taken from aztec sacrificial traditions nice very nice which which i'd never thought of it but but that makes sense Mm -hmm. those those aztecs were not they were vicious they were they didn't play like (laughs) so you a a small baby need to be sacrificed to the gods so be it (laughs) be gone Uh, and so now we just like ceremonially like Mm -hmm. think you know but anyway, so when Sabina ingested the mushrooms, the mushroom spirits would show her the cause of the sickness. So, for example, whether it was like soul loss or malevolent spirits, or if there was like a human sorcerer that had put a curse on this person, the they w- it would show her, it would tell her. Um, she stated, the sickness comes out if the sick vomit. They vomit the sickness. They vomit because the mushrooms want them to. And if the sick don't vomit, I vomit. I vomit for them. And in that way, the malady is expelled. Whoa. I don't know that I'd care for that side effect. I'd be like, you're responsible for your own barfing. But that's actually really cool, though. Yeah. And she then would be able to cure the patient through the power of her singing. And sometimes, though, the uh, spirits would tell her that the patient could not be cured. Oh, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's honest though, right? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you the truth. That's very honest. Yep. Spirit's like, sorry, it's a part of your soul blueprint. You got to go through it. Exactly. Whereas like, I think that's like the the uh, call of a sham artist who's like, no, I can cure everything. Right, cure yes, anything. snake oil. Snake yeah. oil. It's impossible, yeah. Mm-hmm. On top of all this though, she did, and I mentioned this because this is this is going to come up later on. She maintained a friendly relationship with authorities and religious leaders. Like she went to church. It was like uh, every Friday, like once a month or something every Friday, but she went to church regularly. She also helped several of the town's mayor's family members who were sick. And so then like that created a relationship there that they, yeah. they knew her. And so these relationships that she formed with people, they would help her later on. Okay, good. Okay. So here's where her life kind of changed. Well, it didn't. It did change. But anyway, or more people knew about her. In 1955, Maria Sabina was visited by Robert Wasson, a American bank executive and an amateur mycologist or studier of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. He showed up to Mexico with his wife, Valentina Pavlova, and they had interest in, in hallucinogenic plants in the rituals of ethnic groups from different parts of the world. But he was led to Mexico after learning of Spanish codices that spoke of Aztec mushroom rituals. These things are ancient. Mm-hmm. And whether he, I so so I'm just going to inter- interject here and say that I feel like whether he had found Maria Sabina or he had found someone else, this stuff was going to come out. Right. Exactly. It, it, the potential possibility is yeah. that it's time uh, for it to be shared. Yeah. 
And so after embarking on several trips, he finally made his way to Huatlo de Jimenez, the city where she where she lived. And he was brought to Maria Sabina by one of the local authorities who knew who she was. And because she was a law abiding citizen, when she he was brought over by this by these people, she agreed to hold a ceremony for him. But normally, I think she she probably wouldn't have she would have denied him. But because he came with these authority figures and she considered herself like no I, I respect I tell them I do what they tell me and so she went ahead so after this experience Wasson went on to publish an article in Life magazine in 1957 and so that's like the big infamous article because it included text information images it described the research he conducted and gathered and it detailed the couple's experience with Maria Sabina but it wasn't until he published his book that he revealed her identity and her location Oh. So in yeah, in that first article, it didn't it didn't say her name and it didn't say where she lived. So then after that, it just created this big influx of tourism that came. Uh, everybody through. wanted to get healed by her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which um, should have been her coming out party and you know her payday, but yeah. But the problem was that they weren't people weren't coming to be healed. What were they? Um, they were coming to quote unquote like speak to God or to see God. And so she saw that as like, that's not what these things are for. Like right. these things are to heal people who are sick. And so she, it's funny because she says, she's like, these people talk about diseases you can't see, like uh, sugar in the blood. She's like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, oh, it's diabetes. But of course, <laughs> that's an American thing, right? right. <laughs> that's an American disease. Because when you don't have enough food, you don't suffer with with right, sugar, sugar right. Blood. Yeah. So she was rumored to have been visited by famous people like Timothy Leary, Bob Dylan, Walt Disney. She doesn't doesn't name any of them in her book because there's no reason, no way she would have known who they were. But there are pictures of her uh, with certain famous people. Hmm. So can look some of those up um so she unknowingly set off the psychedelic revolution of the 1960s there were books written about her without her permission and as she stated she wasn't given any any proceeds she was given a record player by robert wasson but then at some point the authorities came raided her house and they actually took her record player again you know fuck those people i I, and i can't imagine or fathom not you know, having some sort of success with something like that and not paying it forward and saying, Hey, here's a yeah. check. Even if it was just, you know, like five or hundred bucks or you know what I mean? Like, God, mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. I'm being judgy right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know, but she, in her, like she wasn't, she, she did not ask because it was implied like yeah. in, in native people, like it was implied, like you go you to your curandero. Me. Yeah. You help me. So here's a chicken. Or here's money. Like, I'm going to pay you however I can, but I'm going to, like, I'm going to pay you. Um, Anyway, so she would continue to work as a wise one for for the rest of her life. She would hold ceremonies for these people, and she called them gringos. Um, It's funny because in the book, they're just called, like, the blonde ones. And I'm like, who calls them the blonde ones? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's it's the word gringo. Like, um, yeah. And it's funny because she describes them. Like, she just, like, with their long hair and their funny clothes. (laughs) Uh, I, love that. I was like that's so cute oh long God, that's so hair funny. people need <laughs> yeah. <not> apply. <laughs> so um but yeah she really didn't understand that whole concept of foreigners coming to eat mushrooms to quote-unquote speak to god because in her tradition they were only used to cure the sick and then she believed that the mushrooms have been had been misused and so that their power had been diminished because like now the mushrooms spoke english and it was like they, they'd been like almost contaminated because they'd been mishandled by by foreigners it, it, what a shit show i mean a little bit like and she's not getting any fucking money and no chickens like at this point i would be like all right look you guys gotta start paying me yeah i think her i think it's funny because there's her community it's kind of split um where she was revered as this person of great importance in the end but it's not like she didn't pay the price along the way it sucked right right yeah because what happened was with the influx of tourism coming into the town then it created other people who were going to try to profit you know from or who did profit yeah yeah 
So what happened was that there were other people who were selling mushrooms and selling tobacco to foreigners. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like what she was doing or even like she wasn't giving out mushrooms to people like that. It was what other people were doing with it. Right. Um, Oh, no. Again, Yeah. And then what happened, too, that there were these people selling tobacco but some of this tobacco was found to be like poisonous or it gave people like some crazy reaction so then the authorities had to get involved because yep, obviously now it was you know so so uh, the authorities briefly targeted her they came they like looked through her house they took some of her things and then they they took her in like for quote-unquote questioning or whatever but when she got to like, I don't know where they, uh, the police station or wherever they said they, they took her. Um, there was somebody there from city leadership and they were like, oh, no, no, no. Like, leave her alone. Like, she's she's fine. Like, she's done nothing wrong. They knew her. They knew her reputation. They knew exactly what she did. And she did not. She never did anything wrong. She never hurt anyone. Um, so they they had briefly taken her in and then they sent her right back. They're like, no, leave her alone. Um, however, though, some of. I don't know if you want to say neighbors or people in the city, whatever, they did not like the attention that she was attracting and how it was affecting the social structure. And some accused her of selling the secrets of their culture. So they burned her house down and ran her off. Uh, With no regard to where she was going to go or what she was going to do, they just destroyed all of her belongings? Mm -hmm. They just stayed, yeah, they burned down her house. And so she spent some years... Yeah, she spent uh, spent a few years living in the outskirts of her village, mm-hmm. but then she eventually did return. And actually, the mayor of Oaxaca gave her a couple mattresses because he's like, I don't like you should not sleep on mats on the floor. Like you should have a mattress. So he bought her mattresses. Okay, it, it, what? And this was in what the uh, oh, what, the that late fifties, like, early sixties. That would have been probably in the sixties or seventies. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a mattress. Yeah. Where, like, obviously she was, she brought people in, like, whether some people are going to be mad about it, but then other people are going to be profiting off of it. Um, I, I don't know. I know that there, there's two ways. That's the problem with, like, duality of the world, right? There's, like, always two ways to look at things. You could look at one way as, like, oh, it's the destruction of our town. And I'd be like, no, it's, like, money coming in or, you know, like, and we can do things with it and, you know, whatever. But, again, not... Not, I'm not here to make those conclusions. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I'm judging, judging, <laughs> and making comments about the nonsense that is happening in the story at this time. Yeah. So, okay. So, Wasson was also criticized by scholars because they they questioned his ethics in revealing, you know, the little ones who spring from the ground and the whole like publicizing of images and her songs without her full consent. Um, yeah, I think that that is a lack of ethics there. Um, however, he he stated that he believed that given the increasingly globalized world, that sooner or later, with or without him, the sacred rituals would have been discovered. Um, with the international publicity, foreigners with diverse interests, whether for research, curiosity, spiritual or mystical needs, they just flooded to the mountains of Oaxaca to go find some mushrooms. Yeah. So it's just what happened over the next few years. I mean, he makes a good point, but you know what? Have some fucking take some responsibility for not only what you created, but also what you displaced within, you know, Maria Sabina's life. Yeah. Um, You know, and I'm, and I'm also surprised that people who were profiting from, um, you know, the tourism, quote unquote tourism, um, when her house was burnt down, they weren't like, oh, hold on. Like, we need her, um, yeah. number one. But here, you know, she's, I don't know, it's just this mentality of just sort of throwing her to the wolves or letting her fend for herself when she's the one who actually provided, you know, quite a bit of um, opportunity for other people, I'm sure, to benefit financially. Mm-hmm. So... I, I personally believe that like with what we've learned about soul contracts and soul purpose that both Marina, Sabina and Wasson played their parts. Um, I think it's really easy to just ostracize someone, whether to blame them for outsiders and like the destruction of sacred rituals or for the audacity of exposing a wise person without regards to the consequences of such actions. Um, but, you know, ultimately, Maria Sabina is and was regarded as a person of great respect in her community. Her tools, her chants, they're displayed in museums, and her home was converted into a museum in 1991, and it's actually overseen by the fourth generation of her family. 
Um, And today, a festival is held every year from July 16th through 22nd in the city in her honor. Lovely. Lovely. Very cool. Yeah. And so I don't want to paint her story as, as out of like of a tragedy because I really think that her story is out of a woman who completely surrendered to her role within the broader like living history of ancient traditions of her people, but also just what, how, what role that was eventually going to play to the world, whether she realized it or not. Like I think because she just surrendered to the role, regardless of whatever was going to come after that, that's what she was meant to do. And today she's a symbol of wisdom. She shamans, curanderos, like they hold her in that high regard. Like she was this visionary. Um, She was an influential pioneer. And she was also a profound poet, even though she, like I said, she took no credits for her chants because she attributed, she just has said that it was the power of the little children. But you and I can say it's it's channeling. I mean, tomato, tomato. She, she, she was able to channel these beautiful, beautiful songs. Um, and, and they live on today. People still use them in ceremonies today. Um, she's an integral bridge between the world of divinity and humankind. Her teachings have transcended national and state borders. So if we're just able to connect with that, like humility, the wisdom, the spirituality and all that, like, I really think that that's helping to fulfill her purpose of her life. Yeah, that's very beautiful. That's very beautiful. And honestly, that's sort of the primary message that comes out of any sort of spiritual, um, you know, practice is to be exactly who she was, you know, regardless of the circumstances, because, you know, the greater sort of purpose is, um, you know, kindness and grace and love and all of those things. And we mm-hmm. know what you leave behind your legacy and that sort of thing. So, and she left behind a tremendous legacy. So, yeah. Yes. So Very I just cool. wanted to end with um, what's written on her headstone. When it did she said, pass? Uh, she passed in 1985 and she was 91 years old. Oh, 91. So she lived to be a ripe old age. Yes. Yeah. She lived a whole life. Uh, her headstone says, here lies the body of a Mazatec woman who, due to her wisdom, was admired by friends and strangers. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. All right. I really, really dig that story. It's very, very cool. Thank you. I thought it was important to talk about. For sure. All right. You got anything for our closing vibe today? I sure do. <laughs> Um, okay, so we um, have this amazing group. Um, it's a Facebook group. Um, we um, hopefully one day that will actually be um, a community that's housed on our website. Um, um, the plan is to sort of make that transition because Facebook is, <laughs> you know, Facebook. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> Suck it. Um, so... It, it, it is a wonderful platform for people to um, gather and learn. And a lot of people are like, the other day, um, I had friended somebody, and I'm not really sure why. I'm not a big friender on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friended somebody, and, um, and then I went through the whole sort of process of who have I not invited on my friends list to this group that is woo. Typically it's people, if I don't know their name, I'm going to invite them because I don't, you know what I mean? Like how did we meet? Yeah. Probably it's through what I do. And so there was this girl and her name is Sarah. And I know that she's a new listener to this podcast too. And um, she's like the other day she, her, she said that her, um, um, spiritual therapist for lack of a better term had told her that she needs to find a group to um um you know sort of listen learn about all of these topics with right and then she's like and then i bring up my phone that morning and there your invite was right once again you just can't make this stuff up and i'm like and it was the weirdest thing because i told her i said you know i don't even remember why i friended you i just know that i read something that you had written and I said to myself, she's an empath and I'm going to friend her. That's yeah. it. And that was, I totally forgot about it. So my point is, is that this group really, people that need to be there, they find their way there. It is a place for kindred to gather and, and have a safe space to talk about all of the things in regard to spirituality. 
All right. All of that said, I do try to keep politics to an absolute minimum, right? We don't talk about politics in there typically because um, politics are not spiritual. They have nothing to do with spirituality. They're a human construct and they have shit to do with your ascension and awakening. However, if you've listened to uh, Fiora and I, you know where we stand on politics. We, You know what we feel about, you know, certain political parties and bullshit and all that stuff. It, it's not a freaking, it's not a secret. No. So really the thing that I just mostly want to say is that if you post something in that group, you know, anything that's going to elicit a wonderful conversation or one that needs to be had, say, for instance, about vaccination and masks, right? We can have a conversation about vaccinations and masks and not make it political. Yeah. Um, It doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be. Now, I tend to briefly touch on the politics of it because that's how I explain myself. I like to give Mm -hmm. a broad view of the topic at hand, right? But it doesn't have to be polarizing or divisive or any of that. Now, I will take full accountability that I like to use words like ignorance and stupid. I will check myself a little bit more because I realize sometimes it's not helpful. Um, You know, but the point is, is that if you post something in that group and it elicits this conversation that is, um, you know, a real conversation, not all conversations are going to be, not everybody's going to agree. There's going to be lots of varying, um, you know, opinions, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if Fiora and I approve that, it's good to go. So don't second guess yourself. Don't worry about being divisive. Don't worry about being, you know, starting an argument. You know, don't worry about that. And if anybody is in there that is, you know, sort of taking it off, you know, taking a, a left at the light, you know, or creating drama and nonsense, we're going to be on it and they're going to get bounced, booted, deleted, censored, whatever it is they need to do. But not if they're just sharing intelligent conversations. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's just something that I wanted to say because a really important conversation was deleted yesterday um, about um, how you address, um, you know, spiritual people in your life that you come to find out are anti-maskers, um, anti-vaxxers, conspirituality, you know, um, QAnon sense mm-hmm. um, believers, um, you know, so that that's an important conversation to have um, in regard to spirituality because it's the foundation of spirituality. It doesn't have to go into politics, but it often does. And if it yeah. does, it'll get, you know, checked and made sure that it stays. It is what it is. You it know? is what it's it is. Part man. Of the, it's part of the human experience sometimes to talk about politics and stuff. And I, you know, I, th- I think the problem is sometimes you, if you have those discussions online, it's too easy to be polarized because there's no tone. There's no tone. Yeah. And you know, it's usually delivered with snottiness. Yeah. Because uh, I, I used to have, I used to have Republican um, employers um, and we would have discussions, not arguments, like, but we'd have discussions all the time. And at the end, sometimes we could just agree to disagree. Right. But obviously, but these were my bosses. So I'm not like, but I was like, on the one hand, like, I'm not going to like insult them. But on the other hand, I'm not going to waver on who I am and what my beliefs are and my morals for the sake of a job. So, but, it, but, so I, but I could have like an intelligent discussion with them and maybe get some points across to them that they had never considered or thought of. Um, And in the end, though, like generally, like I knew, I know that they are good people, like good people at heart. And that's why I could have this conversation with them. So that's exactly why, you know, and not all just because you're a Republican, it doesn't mean that you are a Trump Republican. You don't have to support Trump in order to be a Republican and be have conservative values. And Mm -hmm. I've said this a couple of times prior to 2016, I was a very conservative Democrat, very conservative, Um, you know, and a lot of things that I saw along the way, I was like, fuck that, give them everything. Capitalism all the way. Fuck you, Republicans. Like, right. But that doesn't mean that I still don't agree with some conservative viewpoints. I just, at this point, it's just like, well, I'm not going to agree with anything you say because you're all crazy Marjorie Taylor Greene nut jobs. Yeah, yeah. You've fallen off the ledge. Right. If they There are a lot of Republicans that are not. um, And they're healers too. So Mm -hmm. it's a tough 
um, line to balance sometimes, but, you know, I think the conversations are necessary. And so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we should just wipe the slate clean and start over with this whole political party thing. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> I, I completely agree. And I don't even have the knowledge base to be able to say, well, we need to do this, 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 and this. How about if just there's no party lines and we just have, you know, um, you know, everybody's fighting for the rights of the human, which is what should be happening. These politics are, they're, you know, they're in it for the money. They're in it for, you know, oh, yeah. the power. They, they don't give a shit about us mm -hmm. as the people. Yep. There are very few that do. And those that are do are sort of, you know, demonized like AOC or Bernie or, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, Adam Schiff or, you know, even Pelosi. Um, you know, yep. she's not, she's still a politician. She's at right. the core, she's a politician, as is Biden, as is Harris, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so it is what it is. I think if you get the money out of politics, you can really go 100%. No lobbyists, nothing, mm -hmm. zero money. It's a civil servant job, which is what it was, you know, intended to be a civil servant job with a mm -hmm. reasonable salary, you know, yep. and then you've got, you know, fucking assholes like Mitch McConnell who oh, are like million in millionaires. Like how the fuck did he become a millionaire? Wow. The bastard's yeah. been in politics for what, 30, 40 years? Mm -hmm. Oh, he's gross. Yeah. And there's a lot of, and, and it happens on both sides too. I think one of the California governors, I think Barbara Boxer was on that same list too of like politicians who became strangely wealthy. How probably. do they yeah. do that? Mm -hmm. I want to yeah. know. Full yeah. transparency. Yeah. Do, do you think it's through illegal means? I do. If it's, a, I don't care if it's a Democrat. I mean, kind of, it's like, Shady. it's not, it's not illegal, but it's, is it ethical? Like if you're going right. to go and uh, say a speech to JP Morgan and they're going to pay you $2 million, like you really, they're, you get paid that much for a speech. For speech. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, that, that kind of thing is yep. like, a, it's not illegal, but is no. it ethical? So. I remember, it, you know, um, the Clintons were making a shit ton of money for their speeches, but right. the same with the Obamas, right? Like, look, yeah. for all the shit they went through, those they deserve every damn penny. But they're right? also there's no question of their ethics. Mm -hmm. The Obamas are literally the most straight up ethical people in politics. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if you don't like the color of their skin. They're ethical, good, solid human beings. Yeah. And, um, and incredibly smart incredibly yes. smart and incredibly educated yeah and, and uh, completely deserving of every fucking penny they make yep yep so you know what i got zero problem saying yeah. they have every business um getting every penny that they um ask for so yeah. so there's our political rant for today there's the political <laughs> rant for today all right um okay so listen guys Please share and review this podcast. Um, sharing those episode links with your friends, family, and social networks, is it's literally the key to the excess of esoterics, and it helps us grow our audience. And this also goes for review on Apple's, um, and leaving a review could snag you, um, you know, a voucher for one of our metaphysical events. You can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcast, and be sure to join our Facebook community, the Wokakasha Group, to hear firsthand about our classes and events, and as well as get intuitive development tips, card pulls, free meditations, and a lot, lot more, including a safe space to share. That's right. <laughs> share. We share shit in there. Yes. Uh, hey, so speaking of sharing, thank you for sharing space with us today. Uh, stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next week when we'll be talking about the Akashic Records. I'm going to answer some of the most common questions asked. They're questions that came out of the group, and they're questions that come out of the sessions that I do. So um, be sure to tune in for that next week. Yes. All right. Thanks for sharing Thank space, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.